Welcome back, everyone, to the POK Podcast. We're excited to have you guys back with us. This is really our our first like true episode since we've moved back in mm-hmm. or moved into a new place. Um, today we have a, a topic that I'm very excited to talk about. It, it is kind of a doozy topic or a triggering topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about the abortion debate. Uh, and there's quite a few reasons why I wanted to talk about this specific topic. And uh, it, so uh, many of you probably heard about the new uh, Supreme Court nominee, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, so he th- – there were some concerns that he might uh, want to overturn Roe versus Wade. I think in recent weeks that's been kind of uh, debunked or at least uh, he has claimed that – uh, it's settled law is is the quote from him. So I don't think there's as many concerns about that uh, going on right now. But even so, the topic itself has become a, a very much a hot topic. Uh, and it's a topic that I feel like should be talked about more often in a civil and intellectual way, mm. but often doesn't. I feel like it's one of those things that just gets simplified. People have you know just a, a, a radical view one way or a radical view another way and it's just that's it. There is no middle ground. So today, we are going to kind of break down this debate. What are the core questions that you have to ask yourself when you're trying to pick a side? Or And, and there's not just two. There, there's, there's multiple sides to – two sides. <laughs> there's multiple sides to this debate. So it's not just is abortion – should abortion be legal or illegal? There's some middle ground that we're going to go over as well. We're going to talk a little bit about how religion views abortion, and we're not going to go too much into the details of specific texts, but just kind of more generally, does religion explicitly forbid abortion? We're also going to talk about uh, the consequences when uh, abortion is illegal under all circumstances or even restricted under some circumstances. And then we're also going to go through – uh, just a little bit of the history, per usual. Uh, we we just do a little bit of a kind of a quick history lesson, and we're going to do that on mostly Roe versus Wade. Just, just kind of give you guys an idea of uh, where law around abortion was and where it's at now, and how that has affected uh, the health of not only women but abortion rates, um, and uh, just kind of how it's spurred new conversation about the the topic over time. So. To start us off, mm-hmm. what is the abortion debate? Mm. Uh, so simply put, and this will be one of the few times I ever say that, uh, it deals with the rights and wrongs of intentionally ending a pregnancy before normal childbirth. Uh, the debate involves two primary questions. Is abortion morally wrong? And should abortion be legal or illegal? And so here's the caveat to this particular question or these set of questions is just because you have answered one of these questions or even both of these questions, it doesn't necessarily end the debate for you. It doesn't end the, the dilemma of trying to figure out how you stand on it because even if you were to go and say abortion is morally wrong under all circumstances, well, there's, there's plenty of actions that we would deem as necessary evils. Right. So, uh, for example, uh, just about under, uh, we generally would say that murder, uh, uh, in its purest form, is, is evil. It's morally wrong. But we offer exceptions to that. We say, okay, well, 
murder is okay if it's in self-defense. And then that's kind of at the stipulation onto it, right? And you can do a very similar thing uh, with abortion in the sense that, okay, you could you can make the, the you know, the statement, the, the premise, uh, abortion is morally wrong unless or in this specific circumstance. And everyone has their preferences or, or beliefs on this. So we'll go over a little bit about that. And then should abortion be legal or illegal? Well, even if you say it should be illegal, is it okay? Is it illegal in all circumstances? Is it illegal in some circumstances? And what are those conditions and how, how do you know that those conditions have been met? So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, per, per usual, this topic I, th I think is, is immensely complicated for a number of reasons. One, it's primarily a moral debate. Uh, normally when we've talked about uh, topics on this podcast, it, they have been something that we can at least put some more objective numbers to. Like you know, there, there's, there's some information out there that we can at least break that down and talk about it. And there's a little bit with this particular um, – uh, episode. However, whatever you, wherever you stand on this topic isn't going to be swayed necessarily by the numbers. It's going to come down to how you answer some of these really specific moral questions. Well, I think specifically with this topic, right, um, it has to do with a lot of who and how we've been built as people and our belief systems. So you can have as many numbers as possible, but if your experience and your, you know, life up until this point has given you a certain set of beliefs or ideas, those numbers aren't going to really matter all that much. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so let's just kind of go over the, the, the history uh, for a little bit to give us some context before we really go into this kind of bouncing off of questions and trying to figure out where we necessarily stand on it. Um, and why we think the way we do about it and keeping in mind that uh, our beliefs and our biases uh, should are, are never meant to offend. And in this particular topic, I feel like I have to mention that disclaimer because I know it is a very triggering topic. So we're just going to kind of ease our way into this conversation and keeping in mind that we might answer some of these questions differently than you may. And that's okay. That doesn't mean we can't have a conversation about it or that we necessarily have to agree on it. Uh, but there are some things that I feel uh, even uh, – that I think we all have to kind of acknowledge. There's some uh, 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 pertinent realities to this topic uh, that I think we're going to have to try and find some common ground on. And we'll get to that bridge when, when we get there. Mm. So uh, abortion has been around for a long time. Uh, there have been records of abortion-type techniques being used since 1550 BCE or BC, whichever your preference. Uh, the Egyptians, for example, had um, a technique where they would use a plant fibers wrapped in honey uh, as, a, as a method of uh, inducing an abortion. Uh, ancient Greece, abortion was an accepted practice. Um, Aristotle uh, even wrote that when couples have children in excess, uh, let abortion be procured before sense of life has begun. So that's a very interesting quote there because it talks about uh, the sense of life, personhood. We're going to go into that too. And then at the tail end of the Roman Empire, uh, abortion was not viewed as murder 
but rather as a crime against a husband who was deprived of a potential child, more importantly, a potential heir. Heir, yeah. Yeah, so even just, you know, why uh, abortion was morally wrong or morally acceptable has changed throughout the time, and the reasons for that is differs between cultures. Um, throughout the early days of the United States, uh, abortion was legal and it was actually advertised. Uh, U.S. law adopted the abortion statute to the British common law, which viewed abortion as permissible as long as it took place before the first detectable movement of the fetus. This specific uh, uh, phenomenon is called quickening and usually occurs between the first 13 to 25 weeks after conception. Okay, so that's a decent amount of time. Well, you would think, um, but perhaps not. And there's some reasons for that. So uh, we can even talk uh, briefly mention that right now, right? So that we, when I was looking into this topic, I was really looking for one of the when I try and figure out my own kind of beliefs on this. Is I wanted to know how long, in the most extreme cases, can a, a woman uh, be pregnant and not know. Um, and there were cases where it was three, four months, and I'm sure there's even cases where it went longer than that. Oh, there's there used to be a TV show, right, where I do think it was called I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant, and it was women that carried babies to term and then found out they were pregnant and they were having a baby right now. And, I mean, obviously that is an extreme, insane case, um, but it happens. Yeah, and uh, keeping those cases in mind, that it makes it kind of even more complicated to figure out where I stand mm. on, okay, when does uh, personhood begin or when does a mother have ample time to make a decision about what they want to do with their child, uh, if they should be making that decision at all. So, and then uh, further on, so between 1821 and 1965, abortions became criminalized in the United States. By 1965, all 50 states had laws that criminalized abortion in some regard. I didn't actually know this. I didn't either. Uh, but I guess it kind of makes sense if we had to have a whole Supreme Court case about with Roe versus yeah. Wade. Um, so historians, historians have kind of debated. Uh, over the more motivations for uh, criminalizing abortion, uh, some you know kind of classified as like this noble. Uh, it was to prevent women from getting unsafe abortions, and others say it was because it was deemed immoral. And in 1973, the Supreme Court became involved in abortion rights, and this is when we get the famous Roe versus Wade decision. So there's some really important details here. So if I'm kind of looking at my screen here a little bit more than usual, it's because I'm trying to make sure I get all these right. Uh, so we kind of, I think it's kind of common knowledge here that Roe versus Wade is the abortion case. Right. It's, I it's think the, almost everyone knows it's, that. It's the, the case that legalized, quote unquote, abortions. Uh, and the Supreme Court uh, made the decision to legalize abortions on the grounds that it fell under the right to privacy, which is – Interesting, which they believed was inferred from the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. And you will hear the 14th Amendment quite a bit uh, when you're looking into arguments about uh, abortion uh, because the 14th Amendment uh, is, is, is super important for the, the whole right to be a citizen, right to uh, – uh, for due process and things like that. So this is important because the right to privacy 
uh, abortion, unborn fetuses, and a definition of personhood are not explicitly mentioned in this amendment. Essentially, the Supreme Court said in its decision that these ideas logically flow out of the written text of the Constitution. And when we talked about presidential powers and how a lot of these implied powers uh, don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense on paper right away uh, and have just been snowballing uh, in, in recent years, that we, we, we were skeptical about it. And that might be a similar case here where – uh, how, how how do you make that case that it logically flows from the Constitution? And because especially, I don't think everyone would agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the decision that was made, and the right to privacy is included in that. Apparently, uh, critics of the case, and there are a lot of them, uh, include some actual current court justices that say abortions are not protected under the right to privacy, and at the conception of the 14th Amendment, abortions were already being criminalized in some states. Therefore, you could say if the right to an abortion was meant to be protected under that amendment, it would have been included in the written text. That's a bit of a stretch for me personally, um, but it's, it's an argument. It's possible. You, you could make that case. Yeah. Uh, but in all, I was going to say, and I have written here, but in contrast, you can also argue that it, uh, it should have been included, but just wasn't. We know more now than we know uh, then. So you could easily just make the same case in the opposite direction. Uh, the Roe versus Wade case specifically restricted states from regulating abortions in the first trimester, allowing them more power to regulate them in the second and third trimester. Which I also think is interesting that uh, in many ways Roe versus Wade gave uh, took some power away from states to set uh, laws around abortions, but then they also said, okay, just not in the first trimester. You can't you can't restrict access in the first trimester, but in another, you know, the second and third trimester, you're good. You can you can make whatever law you want to some extent. There's limitations to that still, but it's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, right? Uh, and then since Roe versus Wade, several cases have been brought up uh, that have expanded states' rights to regulate abortion outside the trimester model. So uh, we, we now have several states uh, that have been pushing to criminalize abortion altogether. Um, and since uh, – and now today, uh, supporters of Roe versus Wade claim that the decision was absolutely crucial for giving women freedom to decide when they wanted to start a family, while opponents argue that it was an overreach of judicial power on regulating abortion. So this is another interesting uh, element to this debate is at what point should government have the power to tell someone what they can and cannot do with their body? And that's a question that I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit deeper mm -hmm. um, later in the conversation. Okay. So this kind of sets us up to talk about the core arguments of the abortion debate and attempt to answer those primary questions, if, uh, which are, you know, abortion, is it legal or should it be legal and should it, and should it be moral or immoral? How, how do you define it? Uh, and we have a, a link that will be in the, the below uh, comment section or in the description uh, for you guys to look up uh, a little bit more information about Roe versus Wade if you're curious of the details because there are some pretty interesting things that occurred in that case. Like the the woman who uh, brought the case forth, right, the the defendant or – yeah, I think it was the defendant. 
basically uh, said that you know I, I abortion should be legal, and then after the case changed her opinion on it. Mm. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting, and that's uh, actually one of the the bits of information that's often cited by opponents to the uh, the case is that you know even the woman who wanted to you know pilot an abortion, yeah. yeah decided afterwards that she kind of regretted it. Mm, okay. So that's interesting. So what are the core arguments? Uh, and the, we'll start this one off strong with probably the most important one to keep in mind when you're formulating your, your beliefs. And it's one of the first questions that you have to answer before you can really pick a side on this, uh, in my opinion at least, is when does personhood begin? Everyone has a different answer to this uh, or at least some sort of tweaked version. So there's a couple of different uh, uh, main viewpoints on this okay. one. So in Western philosophy, for example, it's defined in two tr kind of traditional ways. There's like this traditional uh, epistemological view that comes from my favorite philosopher, Descartes, <laughs> uh, who defines personhood as any human – any human agent or non-human agent who possesses continuous consciousness over time and who is therefore capable of framing representations about the world, formulating plans, and acting upon them. So to put that in normal people terms, uh, for something to be a person has to be able to do person things. And that would not qualify as a fetus. That would – yeah. So uh, yes and no. Maybe it depends. Uh, so there are times, so in this case, it would have to be able to, to survive outside the womb, I think, for Descartes to be, to say that it satisfies personhood. Okay. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, viability probably is, is where there's more of the modern kind of translation of that. Uh, and then there's a, a contrast kind of viewpoint, uh, that I think is kind of takes the opposite stance here. Uh, so Francis Beckwith argues that personhood has nothing to do with significance or function, but rather the capacity to be human. So this is often the viewpoint uh, of individuals who believe personhood be begins at conception. That's usually the modern translation of that philosophy. Right. You can kind of tell by the eye roll that uh, – I do not agree with that philosophy. Yeah, Jordan does, does not agree with that. And we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about uh, why we think that and uh, our, our, our bits on that once we kind of get through this, these first couple bits where we're talking about the core arguments. So uh, to kind of break this down into two, sim two, two of like the tr traditional sides to this debate, people who want abortion to be legal typically compare personhood with consciousness. To be a person, you have to do the person things. A fetus, or a fetus, a, a fetus, a fetus does not become a person until it is viable and can survive outside the womb. Mm. Uh, let me let me just double check real quick uh, when oh, a fetus technically becomes viable because I don't I don't remember it off the top of my head. A fetus becomes viable. Uh, while there's a, for a 50 over 50% survival rate around 24 to 25 weeks. Okay. So 24, 25 weeks, uh, as early as 23 weeks in some cases. 
five is six months approximately yeah so this is a really important question to keep in mind because just about any argument or any kind of case you make for any stance on this topic you have to answer this question at some point um, even if you take the a very moral kind of viewpoint of this is just you know abortion is wrong because of its murder well you would have to define okay at what point does a fetus become a person to where it can be defined as murder right so you have to answer that question first and then you also have to keep in mind alternatives so uh, we talked about this very, at the very beginning, right? Is an action can be immoral or uh, evil, but still be deemed necessary or acceptable by social or societal standards. So we kind of have to figure out where that line is as well. Uh, and then this next one I included in here, really just to speak so briefly on it, because I think it's a very a weak talking point for this particular topic. And uh, some of you might disagree with me on this, and that's okay. But it's, can a fetus experience pain? So I have a couple of issues with this question, mostly because it's impossible to answer, uh, at least objectively. There's no scientific way to accurately answer this question. Yeah, so pain by itself, right, even measuring pain on an adult is a subjective measure right now. Right, it's it's whatever the the person experiencing it says. So we don't even have a reliable way of measuring it on an adult, and we definitely don't have a reliable way of measuring it on a fetus. Uh, but there have been accounts, like some there there, and there's scientists on both sides of the aisle here that um, have wildly contrasting viewpoints on this. Like so there there have been uh, doctors that have been performing abortions for years and then look on an ultrasound and they think they see the baby screaming in pain and then have forever been like, no, abortions are wrong because fetuses do experience pain. But how do you know it was a scream? How do you know it wasn't a reflex? How do you know that baby was experiencing or that fetus, not baby, fetus was experiencing pain? You don't. There's no way of knowing. Now I will say, I will say to people that do want to make this a point of their argument. If we don't know, is it worth the risk? So that's something that you can think about. If you do not know if that fetus is experiencing pain during abortion during an abortion procedure, is it worth that risk? And is that, you know, what is where are the moral implications of something like that? Mm. So we can keep that in mind. But as far as a scientific viewpoint on this, there's not one to be had. Yeah, there's not one. And it's very frustrating when, when I was reading about this because it seems like there's so many people that you know deem themselves scientists, have PhDs, and you know work in the medical community. And they all have an opinion on this when – and they claim to have an objective opinion about this. And you can't. It's not possible yet. We don't have the tools. We don't have the measurement capacity. We don't have the technology. And, and the th we don't have the technology. And, and, and the measurement, the thing that you're actually measuring is so subjective that it wouldn't surprise me if we don't get to that point for a very, very, very long time. Um, 
But yeah, that's much my short rant about that question. It's just not a very good question to have a, a, a objective and uh, it's not a stable way to form an argument, right? You can't yeah. build your defense around that because there's absolutely no just, way to prove it. It's just not it. even a good talking point in general. Right. That's why I didn't want to spend too much time on it. So there's not a whole lot there to talk about. Exactly. Not not with any kind of objective truth behind it. It's just you know my BS versus your BS. That's just not a good way to have a conversation. No. Um, but this one, we do have some, some more numbers too. Okay. And this is how do abortions affect the health of women? And specifically for this part of it, I want to talk about uh, how does the legality of abortion affect the health of women? So we're going to take a look at some numbers from some countries here that have strict abortion laws or uh, have some sort of limitation to abortions in their laws and compare them with countries that have more liberal in general uh, uh, or less restrictive might be a more accurate term uh, laws or regarding abortion so uh, such as the US or there are some European countries that are falling into this category uh, and so we're going to look on kind of this macro scale of what it looks like when these countries decide to make abortion illegal or restricted in some way uh, so currently there are 26 countries around the world 26 that ban abortion altogether with no explicit legal reason for exception. So that that's there's no reason. There's no exception to when you're allowed to have an abortion. If even if it's to save the woman's life, it's still hundred percent of the time, no. Uh, and so countries like this or countries that fall into this category include Egypt, Iraq, El Salvador, Honduras, Andorra. Uh, the Vatican also falls into this category. Um yeah, and so there's 26 that fall into that category, and now there's also 37 that ban abortions unless it's deemed necessary to save the woman's life. Uh, and this is in some developed countries as well, such as Brazil, Mexico, Ireland. Uh, Ireland, I think, uh, was originally on the list, actually. Now they're, they, they... I think they recently just overturned that ruling. Yeah, and then they were arguing about going back to it. We'll have to keep in, uh, in tune for that one, because I, I don't really know what's going on there mm -hmm. yet. Because every week I feel like it's like, oh, we're going to legalize abortion. Then we're going to make it illegal again. And then we're going to legalize it. And then it, it's a mess in Ireland right now when it comes to abortion law. Yeah. Uh, so here's the important thing to note when we're going over these numbers. The rate at which women seek abortions does not change based on legality. That's a super important thing to remember here. Uh, there are plenty of resources that back that statement up. Uh, it's not just you know me throwing a BS claim at you based on my own bias. That, that there there are plenty of sources uh, to back that one up. Uh, even in the U.S., um, the rate at which people seek abortions does not change whether or not it's legal. And if it does, it's a very minor and small and negligible change. Um, but what legality does relate most to, what it does correlate with is access to safe abortion facilities or safe medical facilities. And access to safe medical facilities is the number one determinant as to whether or not there's going to be a complication with an abortion procedure. So with that in mind, there's only a third of all women in the world that are of a reproductive age. So this is, I think, between like uh, uh, 16 or 18, something like that, and low mid-30s. Mm, you can have a baby until you're like 45. 
So it, it encompasses a very large population is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So a third of women of reproductive age in the world live in countries where abortion is permitted without restrictions. That means two-thirds of all women that could potentially have a child are living in a country where abortion is limited or restricted in some way right. or altogether. Uh, and uh, every year – this is uh, from a source uh, called Gutmatcher. I okay. think it's our gut masher or gut matcher. Probably gut matcher is the probably the, the more correct pronunciation of it. But keeping in mind, uh, I'll, I'll post the the link for the for the resource. But they are a um, an organization that does have bias against abortion restrictive restrictive abortion laws. So keeping that in mind, some of these statistics might be a little bit more uh, leaning towards a particular argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before Roe versus oh, – I didn't even mention this. Uh, did I mention the 23 – so 23,000 women die every year due to complications with an abortion procedure. Well, yeah. Well, I'll say that later. Uh, but it almost exclusively occurs in countries where abortion is restricted. Right, because you can never outlaw abortion. You can only outlaw safe abortion. People are still going to do it. People are still going to not have the money or the means or the you know emotional strength to have a child, and they're still going to seek out the solution whether or not it is safe or legal. I completely agree, and that's kind of what I was touching at when I was mentioning there are some realities here to this topic that we kind of have to – we don't necessarily have to agree perfectly, but we have to compromise on this. Like mm -hmm. abortions are going to happen. And no um, one likes abortion. We've talked about this before. Yeah, no, like, no one is for abortion, but it, it it is safer for for citizens of any country to have it legal and to have it provided, you know, through whatever doctor practitioner, so that, that person doesn't die or get themselves into a terrible situation. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things that it's part of the reality of the world that we live in that we kind of have to figure out the most appropriate way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of our viewpoints uh, here in a second. Um, but just in the United States oh, – no, one more fun fact before I get to the United States. Okay. Uh, there are countries where unsafe abortions are actually the leading cause of maternal death, uh, Tanzania being a prime example. And that just – it blows my mind uh, that that's one of the leading causes of maternal death is – women taking it upon themselves to seek an unsafe abortion. It's just it's just sad. Yeah, and 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 it's not like the the women don't know I have a, maybe I'm wrong on this, but like and correct me if you think you, if I'm just bonkers, but I got I had this feeling that most women know the risk they're taking if they're going to do an abortion themselves or they're going to try and do something similar to that on their own. Yeah. Like you had like it just I think that there's a level of of, of hopefulness or, or, or desperation, right, that would cloud your judgment as far as your safety goes. But um, as I've said to you before, fear is a wonderful motivator. Yep. Uh, and in the United States, uh, before Roe versus Wade, uh, on average, 5,000 American women died each year from unsafe abortions. And restrictions in many states 
uh, have been getting tighter mm-hmm. since around 2008. And what they've discovered in a national survey was that approximately 2.5% of women in the U.S. tried to terminate a pregnancy on their own. I don't know how reliable that number is, but if that's the case, that's still a lot of women considering there's 350 million plus you know, Americans living in the U.S. and half of them are women. Uh, so just doing some quick math, right? So look, what, 180 million women, mm-hmm. 2.5% of that is still a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so if that's, if that's – I'll have to double check where I got that one from. Uh, but yeah, that, that just sounds like a super intense uh, number. Uh, but here's the part that makes a lot of sense. Google search records also show that women uh, were looking up how to terminate a pregnancy at home more often as restrictions around abortions right, abortion rights increase, which is crazy to me, but makes so much sense, right? If you're worried that you're not going to be able to get an abortion, should that come up? Should that situation come up and you really know – you that's a decision you're going to make and immediately you're like well it's not going to be allowed to do it anymore you're going to have access to us uh i should say that that's a very poor taste way of phrasing it um but i you know i won't be able to get safe access to a medical facility so i need to figure out how to do this on my own in some way that's you know gonna work i guess it's just it's gruesome it's gruesome and it's so heartbreaking for me in the sense that like all right i think it's pretty obvious that i i don't necessarily agree with people that are anti-abortion but for someone to be so scared and so concerned about their future in regards to a pregnancy and then for their government especially the american government that's all about choice and and freedom and do as you will kind of thing to have that fear that 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 privilege is going to be taken away from you. And I I just, I can't even imagine what that feels like. Yeah. And I think I'm going to, I do want to mention one thing you you had mentioned uh, anti-abortion. And one of the things that I think actually stirs up conflict in this conversation is that term or those terms of like, you know, pro-life, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, right? Because everyone is pro-life. No right. one is like, right. life is bad, no y'all. No one's like, they're, they're just, they're these uh, divisive terms inherently mm. because they don't really represent the viewpoints of the people who are trying to advocate for one side or the other uh, in a, in a sufficient way that's fair i i, right? I misspoke i oh, know you're fine uh but it's a point that i wanted to bring up because it's one of the biggest frustrations i have about this conversation because i don't get me wrong even i you know sometimes struggle with this particular topic when i'm discussing it with other individuals um because i am so concerned about offending someone mm-hmm. or i am so concerned about being misunderstood that someone's going to view me in such a harsh light and it's really frustrating when – and I almost like know immediately if I'm going to be misunderstood or be uh, put in a position where I'm having to like defend myself. And that's usually when I hear those terms is like pro-life or pro-abortion because like mm. 
Again, like even with the <laughs> like, no one's, no one's like yes, poor killing babies. yes, let's get abortions. We're super right. excited. No, we're not. No one's doing that. Right. It's, no it's, one is doing that. It's not about for the people that are, for lack of a better term, pro-abortion. It's not about yay, we're ready to kill some shit. It's about well, they're pro the legality of abortion. Well, that's why maybe a better way of sure, putting it. Sure, they're pro the legality of abortion. It is about the health and safety and uh, mental care of the women getting those abortions and much less about the fetus itself. Well, when you say mental care, right? So that's actually a point that I think uh, people with a, a different view or a um, opposing viewpoint would, would point out is say, well, what about the psychological harm that is caused by having an abortion? Well, I think that there are some women that would struggle with it, and I think that there are some women that wouldn't. But if well, there, okay, so there's actually some data behind this, right? There, there's there have been a couple of studies that have looked into what are the mental health risks of getting an abortion, and just about in every case, the risk of suicide, depression, and anxiety goes up, and including in their male partners, uh, depression and anxiety is more present. Uh, in uh, males whose partners have gotten an abortion. There's occasionally feelings of regret being reported as well. So I think I think it's I think I, I, for me, I'm comfortable saying that there are psychological risks to getting an abortion. That does not mean to me though, that abortion should be uh, banned or not permitted. I just. It's the alternative. So I get that for some women there might be psychological um, risks to getting an abortion, but I also think there are plenty of highly educated twenty-somethings that may accidentally get pregnant for whatever reason or another, and they run the numbers in their head and say, "Okay, I don't have time for this. I'm working on my career. I don't have the funds to raise a baby. This, that, and the other. I'm going to get an abortion and do better." And they, I mean, it's not, I don't want to say it's not a big deal, but, it, you know, it's it's much more of a pragmatic decision than it's like this struggle. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think you, we, were, we were kind of touching on this, right? You have to keep the alternatives in mind. What is the alternative consequence to not having that abortion? Mm -hmm. And uh, the way I have viewed this, and there might be plenty of people that disagree here, uh, has been... Uh, I think it's completely unrealistic to say that uh, being pregnant does not have negative consequences. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's it, absolutely the case. And it's hormonal consequences. It, and not necessarily bad or, or harmful consequences, but there are consequences. It's changes. Mm -hmm. uh, physically limiting, right? You have to eat certain things. You have certain cravings. Uh you are eating more, so it's, it might also be a financial burden. It most definitely is a financial burden from some people. Well, the the doctor's visits alone, if you don't have insurance, I mean, obviously there are free health clinics and they can do so much, but going to a hospital and having a baby is stupid expensive. Uh, and actually to that point, uh, I have a question that I mm. wanted to ask. We'll, we'll just go into kind of our, our back and forth with questions here because I'm curious about a lot of these. Is, uh, do you think the government should pay or rather tax dollars should pay for some individuals to have an abortion? 
And if so, what circumstances would that would need be satisfied? What would need to be satisfied? So this is also including things like Planned Parenthood and that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, currently, a very small portion, but a portion of mm-hmm. Medicaid goes to abortion procedures. So yes, and here's why. Um, Abortions are not an expensive procedure, especially if it's an early term abortion. You basically get given a a pill, right? And you get super sick for a while. Um, So it's not an expensive procedure, at least for early term. And that cost versus the cost of someone who can't have an abortion and now has a child, right, that's going to need Medicare and Medicaid and food stamps and government support for however many more years of its life, that cost far outweighs the cost of this one abortion. Yeah, no, and I hear you. Uh, I think there's some people, though, even though it doesn't cost much, uh, it really is such a small, minor cost Mm -hmm. to, to Medicaid funding. They don't want the government killing babies, paying to kill babies. I, I think I think our, our biases here have become obvious. <laughs> well, but still, from a pragmatic financial no, I, I hear, perspective, I hear you. yeah, I hear you, and, and I think in principle, my gut reaction is to say no, tax dollars shouldn't go towards it, right? But I also think uh, that the long-term consequences, say, even if you were going to do uh, adoption, okay. It's costing a hell of a lot more than an abortion procedure. So I um, think it doesn't cost the mother anything, right? Um, I'm talking about tax dollars. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, because you have to you have to pay for a bunch of different services. You have to have a bunch of different tests done on the child, uh, and then carrying the child to term will cost the mother something. Uh, maybe not yeah. money, but it will be like I said. There's physical, physical and emotional, uh, hormonal, yeah. emotional consequences that happen. So when I view it that way, so that's, that's something that I've been that, that I've always struggled with this topic is what is the alternative? Mm-hmm. And I haven't always been aware or have even looked into it because it was such a scary topic. But especially after doing our foster care podcast, when we talked about well, learning uh, about the life outcomes, right? The life outcomes and and the risks that are associated with adoption. Yeah, I, I I can't really make a very strong case as to why the federal government shouldn't uh, fund at least certain case abortions, right? Um, and or even uh, not say yeah yeah. So I, I I can't say that they shouldn't because the alternative is okay. So they're going to fund uh, pregnancies or, or actually you know you know birthing babies and then going through an adoption process. Uh, but over the long run, if you just want to make a financial comparison, you're spending more money doing that. Mm-hmm. So, and now Whichever way you slice it, keeping that child, that fetus alive is going to be more expensive for the government. Yeah. No, yeah. And I, and I agree. And that's a, that might be viewed as a kind of insensitive way of looking at it. But we're just trying to isolate this one particular element mm. of, of the conversation. So keep that in mind. This isn't we're not saying that, you know, there's a dollar amount you can put on a child. Not Absolutely not. But but I think it's important to bring this up because I feel like a lot of times you have the, oh, well, abortion is wrong, all lives matter. 
oh, well, you're lazy and you're on Medicare or Medicaid or food stamps or whatever, do better. And it's like, well, you, those are conflicting ideas. Mm-hmm. You're, you're devaluing that child the second that it's born. And, and that's, that's, that's hypocritical. Oh, I, I, I agree. Um, so here's a question I've been wanting to ask, and I, I think we've had kind of a conversation about this. And I think at one point we disagreed, but I think I've kind of come around full circle to this one, which was, uh, do you think men should have any legal right or say in whether or not their partner or, a, a, you know, the woman who is carrying, quote unquote, their child, uh, do you think they should have any legal say in whether or not an abortion occurs? I think at the end of the day... It is the decision of the woman that is pregnant, right? Uh, it is her body. It is her business. Um, it is ultimately her choice. However, if she is with someone who, you know, isn't a, a whatever, like isn't some sort of negative circumstance, like it was a one night stand or he's hardcore addicted to drugs or, you know, whatever. If it's not something like that and they have a healthy, um, healthy communication, healthy relationship, I definitely think that um, the man's opinion should be asked and considered. Um, But ultimately, it is is the woman that has to carry the baby and give birth to the baby and uh, be the, you know, the feeding mother and all of that stuff. So ultimately, it is the woman's decision for me. So what if it's almost in the opposite uh, direction, right? So part of the conversation around uh, abortion rights involves women having the right to choose when to start a family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like in some ways you could argue that they have a little bit more control over that when abortion is legal. Okay. But men do not, right? So say you get a girl pregnant and – uh, or a girl is pregnant um, and uh, she doesn't want to have an abortion and it was an unintended pregnancy and then now the man or the the, 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 the guy in the picture here whose child it would be uh, doesn't have the resources to support a child hmm. but if that baby is born the man might be required to pay child support. Yeah, child support. How how do you? That's, I mean, that's a really complicated kind of dilemma there, Ooh. in my opinion. Yeah, but it kind of turns it around. I haven't really thought about this one too much. It just kind of came up to came to my head. Huh. I don't know. Right, because that seems kind of con- contradictory. Doesn't right, it's it? not fair to the man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least on paper that. Like, how how do you manage that? Yeah. Well, and then you have the crazy women, right, that intentionally get pregnant by guys so that they can, quote unquote, trap them and get their money and et cetera, et cetera. Like, newsflash, there's super shitty people in the world that do that kind of thing. Um, so. I don't know if y'all can hear right now, but our cat is currently crying at the door. So if you she's hear fine. that. She's fine. Don't worry about oh, her. She's not dying, but if you hear her, I. I that's what it is. I apologize. She she just wants She's to be a with her parents. brat and she wants to be in here. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of my, one of my questions about yeah, that. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Like at least from like a legal 
precedent. I have no idea mm-hmm. where to start with that. Maybe you guys have some thoughts on that. Please let us yeah, know. Yeah, what is y'all's opinion on that one? Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I don't really – I'll have to ponder on that one some more and see if I can come up with like some sort of like logical thing that makes Better sense. Answer. <laughs> uh, I don't think we've talked about this one yet. Um, does religion explicitly forbid abortion? Uh, so I looked into this a little bit okay. and – I really brought this up as one of the more open-ended questions because I wanted you guys to kind of give your thoughts on this one um, because it's – even between religions, it's very mixed. Now, there are some that just outright know you can't have an abortion. Nah, so man. Hinduism, for example, uh, always has very clear um, That doesn't surprise me though. That forbids abortion. Uh, Christianity, for example, though, it's very mixed. Mm. Uh, and actually, in some ways, it comes back to that personhood question mm. uh, as to well, whether or not Christianity is intentionally vague. So, some I, someone would disagree with that, though. <laughs> I believe that Christianity is intentionally vague. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so, but yeah, even with uh, Christianity, it's it's not necessarily super clear. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So it really – and which is interesting because uh, there even are some Christian groups that are very much for abortion rights. I think uh, there's plenty of progressive Christians that, that that think that it's not their their right or decision kind of thing. And uh, Islam, for example, uh, again, very much comes down to the personhood question. Hmm. So for them, they define personhood as being after 120 days after conception where the fetus gains a soul. Okay. Which is very interesting. I did not know that. I didn't either. So I think that's something worth considering as well because I feel like we've – at least for me, I've had kind of these preconceived notions about what certain religions probably think about abortion. Um, Well, I knew – it doesn't surprise me that Hinduism – it's a very peaceful culture. That's one of the uh, religions I studied in college. Um, I know that there is a lot of unrest uh, in the Muslim community right now. Because there are younger, more progressive Muslims that don't necessarily agree with um, a lot of the, like, it's basically like Old Testament, New Testament, right? Mm -hmm. You have an older generation that has these more fire and brimstone ideas and this younger generation who is much more accepting and open and grew up with the internet and understands that everyone's different. Um, So I, I wasn't sure what theirs was going to be. Yeah, no, it, it was it was just kind of interesting to look at because I, I definitely had some preconceived biases about what I thought. I'm in, in the sense of being fully transparent. I've had some issues in the past with religious groups, not in a hostile way necessarily, but just from a uh, my educational background, and so I have definitely built up some prejudices that I have to keep in check sometimes mm-hmm. that. You know, I just assumed uh, certain things about certain belief systems, and that's a really bad habit to get in. So don't do that. Uh, but Whereas it's something... I've only had positive experiences with other other cultures and religions, and my negative experiences come from American culture. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, well, and keep keeping in mind the experiences I'm referencing. You know, were uh, you know private Christian schools. Yeah. So I mean, it's still like we're still both talking about Christianity. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> and this isn't to hate on all, all Christians by any means. We have no problem with Christianity. But there, there's absolutely been some experiences in our lives that have built up some prejudices. And so that's something that we have to be careful about when we're talking about exactly. it. And that's one of the reasons I didn't want to like spend too much time talking about it because I knew we were going to slip up at some point and yeah. like, you know, say something. Uh, but to keep that in mind, we do have a bias. Exactly. And so that's affecting kind of the way we look at it and our, and our perception. So keeping that in mind, cut us some slack. <laughs> um, so here's another interesting thing that I thought was almost uh, that I had a, a kind of preconceived notion about is how do women's rights groups look at abortion? So such as feminist groups. Uh, and it's still mixed. Really? There's not a consensus over it. Because I would have thought for sure. No, there's not. No, there's, it's, it's mixed. Now, granted, uh, you probably hear more about uh, women's rights groups uh, trying to defend abortion rights. Mm -hmm. However, there are several different sectors of um, women's rights groups that still advocate for women's rights but believe that certain rights don't outweigh others. So, for example, the right to live outweighs equality or the right to control your own body. Hmm. And they would claim, uh, or in this particular case, that they answered the portion of the question probably being at conception here. So you become a person at conception. Uh, and so that right to live outweighs it. And again, it always comes back down to this question with this uh, with this particular topic is when does personhood begin? For me, it has always been the viability thing, right? Mm -hmm. If you are – if the child is a viable child and doesn't need uh, the, the womb to survive anymore, it, it's a person. Right. That's where I'm – you know, I'm, I'm iffy on uh, whether or not abortion should be legal. At that point, at least – at least I think a doctor should have the right to say no mm -hmm. to uh, conducting an abortion. But that's a tangent. Uh, some would say that abortion actually sidesteps the oppression of women. Uh, for example, if a woman is raped, the rape is the issue not being pregnant. Mm. So right. I've, I've heard that pers uh, perspective on it quite a few times. Uh, I don't necessarily – I don't see why they can't both – be a problem, a circumstantial problem. Yeah, it, it reminds me of people getting mad because you're talking about one cause, and they're like, "Well, what about all the starving people?" and blah blah blah. And it's like both of them are problems. Yeah, and like uh, when I say circumstantial problem regarding rape, I mean the act of sex when it's not consensual is a problem. Is a problem. Uh, but so getting is being pregnant, pregnant from that when it's not your decision is a problem. Is a problem. <laughs> right. So I think they both can be problems. Right. Uh, it, but it's – it's what are the circumstances? It's not black and white. Uh, and I think uh, particularly around this topic that it gets perceived or at least mentioned or talked about in a black and white way. Right. Uh, oh, and here's my favorite one. Uh, favorite uh, arguing point from uh, one of these uh, women's rights groups that are trying to make abortion illegal mm -hmm. is uh, abortion as a male plot. Yeah, we were uh, trying to control women's bodies, apparently. I mean, well, Ooh, yeah. well <laughs> all the people making the laws are men. Um, <laughs> but but as a, I think where as they were a conspiracy, going, no. <laughs> it came off so conspiracy theory to me, so I was right. I kind of just like chuckled at it. But 
Okay, but in, in their defense, it is very frustrating that the people making the laws and rules about women's uh, reproductive health are almost exclusively men. That that I do understand and agree with. Like you, uh, uh, you don't have a womb. Why do you get to make the rules? Yeah. So yeah, part of it's like this, uh, almost like how can you truly sympathize? You can empathize. Mm-hmm. But there's no way you can sympathize with that what that experience is like, why a woman would choose to do something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, even have an accurate perception of what the consequences are for one one act or the other when it comes to the decision to make an abortion or have an abortion. Mm-hmm. So I don't think uh, men are particularly qualified to uh, have the sole voice of reason when it comes to abortion laws. I think, and it's, and I think about this actually very similarly, lot uh, in a logic perspective to the way I think about gun laws. Mm. Is that I don't think that just non-gun owners should be the ones making the laws, mm-hmm. as, but in reverse, I don't think it should just be gun owners, mm-hmm. right? Because it affects all people, right? And abortion, in many ways, uh, does affect more than just the woman who's going undergoing the procedure. Uh, there's more individuals involved. There's the partner that you know got you, or or whatever, whoever man got you pregnant. Uh, there are consequences to them, especially if they know about it. Hmm. Uh, there are consequences to the doctor. Um, so there, there's all these other people involved. When I say consequences, I don't necessarily refer to them in a negative light, but, but they are real changes. Cause and effect. Yeah, causes and effect. And some of these are psychological. Some of them are emotional. Some of them are physical. Um. What other questions? Uh, how do we want to review it? Uh, did we talk about this one? The health consequences of having an abortion worse than not having an abortion? No. I don't think we've gotten to that one yet. So that's something that another arguing point uh, is having an abortion in and of itself has health consequences. Not having an abortion has health consequences, right? And I think it just gets misconceived uh, as having to like you know health consequences consequences just don't exist either way or they exist only in one scenario or the other but that's just not true like both uh they're just different consequences uh making the decision to say okay which one's worse than the other well that's kind of subjective um it's whatever's you know however you it is weighed and perceived by the person who's making that decision right that's kind of how i view it right is if you're the one deciding Hey, I either need an abortion or want to get an abortion uh, or take this child to to term. Uh, Weighing the consequences of either decision, it's already a hard enough choice as is. Uh, But there is positives and negatives, I think, in both – looking both ways. Right. They both have consequences and they both have benefits. That being said, I I don't mind. Like, so here's another thing: is you have some of these uh, clinics, right, that um, basically try and convince women not to get abortions mm-hmm. by telling them all the bad things that happens, uh, and then you know how miraculous babies are, et cetera, et cetera. And then all right, know, tangent. <laughs> um, I had a trigger. There's nothing miraculous about having a baby. All right. Come at me if you want. It is a biological reproduction. Every single day there are babies born. 
every single day, every mammal on this planet has reproduction. Is it beautiful? But, is it rewarding? But, but, but Jordan, every single baby is just a little bit different. They're, yeah, that's how genomes unique. work. All right. I mean, see, <laughs> that's how the XY chromosomes pairing up so, works. So, so here, here's how I view this, right? I, I take kind of like almost a humorous analogy to this, but like, you know, don't get me wrong. Yeah, every baby's a little different. Mm-hmm. So is every French fry in my McDonald's canister. <laughs> like, like you know, they're all a little bit different cut. They all have so different proportions of salt on them. Every leaf on a tree, but every, when they fall off, you're gonna go pick them all up like they're the same. All right. And, and don't worry, we joke and kid, but like, it, I think from, from the miraculous. Uh, def- defining it as the statistical anomaly, uh, I think it is it's not. a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it is not. Yeah. It is what our bodies are designed to do. So while it may be beautiful and fulfilling and whatever else, it is not a miracle. All right? So stop calling it a miracle. And is there anything, like, I think we've kind of gone through uh, our opinions and our, our biases on this. And, we, you know, there's some that we obviously have a, a stronger opinion than others about and mm-hmm. some questions that we still haven't been able to answer. Right. And we would love to hear your guys' opinion on that. But uh, before we wrap up, are there any other questions or any last thoughts that you would like to mention? Um, I would just like to reiterate the point that while you may not agree with abortion, whether it be a religious or a moral or a whatever else driving factor for you. I think that it is it is paramount for people to remember that although things happen and exist in their ecosystem in a specific way, that everyone is a different collection of experiences and you can never fully sympathize with someone else and why they would be in a situation that they were in and why they would be in a circumstance where they felt that an abortion was necessary and taking that right away from them, voting for people that want to take that right away from them is hazardous to the health of your fellow Americans, of your fellow man. And so just keeping in mind that while from your perspective, this is not something you agree with, to rob someone else of that choice is just as unfair. Uh, And yeah, and I would just kind of add to that, that you don't necessarily have to agree with it from a moral perspective, because it might not be your preference, as you said, but... It is a reality. Mm-hmm. It is an, a consequence. It is a event, uh, a thing that is going to occur, and it's going to occur a lot more uh, than you might like. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. And what we can do is the best that we can given that reality. And if that means access to medical facilities so that these procedures can be done in a safe, you know, and professional environment that mitigates the risks and if counseling can be provided where it is in the best interest of the client and not just trying to convince them of your preferences uh, so that women in particular can make smarter uh, health choices regarding this decision. More educated. Be more educated. Those are all things that we can do to 
help mitigate some of the risks and negatives of having to deal with something as uh, you know as life changing or as uh, serious. Serious, because like getting an abortion can't be easy for anyone. It, it really can't. Uh, I, I can't even really imagine or even be uh, sympathetic. So I just I can't even like begin to fathom. So understanding that it's not an easy call for anybody, and that it is I don't think anyone views it in the super positive light. It's always kind of like this necessary evil. I feel like that no one wishes that they have to go through. Uh, but also recognizing that the alternatives could be perceived as much worse for them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where I would like to leave it is that have a little heart. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, understanding that it's not just it might not be black and white for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might not be black and white for the for the person going through a procedure like that. So keeping that in mind, uh, trying to figure out, but you know, like, is is there better ways to answer these questions? Are there more questions that we still need to answer to kind of figure out where we stand on this? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to know you guys' thoughts on this. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Yeah, is there something that you're just like, you know, false fake news? Let us know. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, don't forget, if you want to support the POK podcast directly, you can go to our Patreon page and become a patron. You get early access to all of our episodes, and you get to tell us what you would like to hear next so we can create a podcast episode around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to those of you who have asked before that if we are going to get guests on the show – we are actually very close to making that happen. Uh, I would expect in the next couple of episodes at least uh, we, we will try and figure out uh, – we have a couple of people that we, we think might be interested and, and mm-hmm. would want to come and join us and talk about it and have perspective – more importantly, have perspectives that you know differ from our own, which is great because it allows for some more uh, thought-provoking conversation, I feel like. So that that is going to happen. And if you like what you're seeing, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell, uh, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Bye.